Hi everyone, this is Mosey Truitt, and welcome to the podcast where we explore the amazing and vast wisdom of horses, as well as the incredible and magical connection they share with the human companions that they love. Welcome to In the Spirit of Horse. I'm here with Frida Rebel. She is an incredible horse trainer. She is also the lead trainer, or I guess the, the only trainer, the complete manager of um, A Little Rescue, which is personally my favorite rescue I've ever been at. They just give like insane care to their horses and love. And I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm so excited to be talking with you about basically an inside look on rescues and auctions and just what the whole process looks like. Well, thank you, Mosey, for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, Yes, I work for a rescue. We're a nonprofit, 105C3. We are called A Little Rescue. And yes, I'd like to proud ourselves with taking amazing care of the horses. That's kind of our goal to just go above and beyond. You really, they really do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, the amount of care I've seen each horse get is like no other place I've seen before. Yeah, I think that we do quality over quantity. You know, mm-hmm. if we can do three horses in a year, that's what we'd rather do than do 10, but provide half of that care. So today I really just want to talk a little bit um about what goes into rescuing horses and a little bit mm-hmm. also about the auction scene. Okay. Because I know for me, I've always obviously been very into horse rescue, like love the idea, but never um, necessarily knew everything entailed and where the horses were coming from. Mm-hmm. And I would just kind of like to get an inside look on what you experience in the rescue world and, and yeah, just kind of a better idea of auctions particularly. Okay. So, I mean, I think that we can start off the story as how we know each other. I think that's kind of a Mm -hmm. really good way of like uh, starting the whole auction uh, scenario off. Um, How long ago is it now? Is it two years ago? Is it? I think yeah, so. Yeah, probably. It's almost like two years ago, Mosey, uh, or we first, often at rescue, um, another rescue organization, they were at an auction, and sometimes rescues work with each other and sometimes they don't, but anyway, they contacted us and said that there's this whole herd of horses there, and there's this one, and wondered if we could take it, and we said yes, the rest unfortunately went to slaughter. But that was Moon. It is the story so, of yeah. Moon. <laughs> so she came and she was completely untouched, but just like very, very sad. But so then after some time, medical care and just like emotional care and just being with our another wild Mustang that we had named Stevie, she just kind of became herself. And then that is when I met Mosey because I called Mosey and I was like, I think I have this amazing horse that you're going to like. So that's how we met. 
But so yeah, does usually have auctions work? There are legal auctions and then there are non-legal auctions as well. They're what's called like the black market. Right. I just want to say quickly that thank you so much for getting me, like, <laughs> for finding Moon and for rescuing her because she's incredible. And the fact that she could have ever just been sold to slaughter yeah. is just so tragic. I think that we will always – her sister was, like, one of those horses that got away. She was beautiful. Like, she was black. She had a white star. She was just, like, the most gorgeous mm-hmm. horse. But – you know, auction sometimes goes really, really fast. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of things happen. And we were just like, by luck, ended up with this horse. And we're just so fortunate that she's with you because she's like truly special. I don't think she could go to like a regular equestrian person. So uh, any questions you have about auctions? I mean, the black auctions, I think that it's hard to talk about them. Those are the illegal auctions. Yes. And there are, you know, slaughter is illegal in California and you can't sell horses for meat. But, I mean, it happens all the time. Right. So I'd kind of like to start um, with what the auction experience is like. Okay. So what it, um, how it is to be there, what you see, just kind of for people who haven't gone to one, mm-hmm. um, what it is. Okay. What is an auction? So an auction is a place where you basically sell livestock. So horses are considered livestock. So sometimes there is pigs, sheep, horse, cow. That's how it works at some auctions. And sometimes you get to see them before as like a preview. You can go and meet them and they're in these like uh, pipe corrals or little stalls or whatever. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's basically like... um, I don't know, like a boxing ring? It basically looks like that. Mm. And they bring the horse or the animal out one by one. And then you have, what, 15 seconds, if you're lucky, to put up your sign. and yeah. uh, Like a like an, an art auction. You think of like exactly. putting up the sign. Yes, yeah. So some auctions are at night and some are during the day. It goes both ways. But I think the ones that are at night is more like a night out on the town for a lot of people. Right. So... Who are the people you usually see buying at auctions? And also, how do people, like, I'd imagine if you have 15 seconds to see a horse and they're Mm -hmm. just being brought out really quickly, like, who is that serving? Like, why is that the, um, the format, if you can guess? I think the format at that specific auction that they do it that way is because they have so many animals to sell and they also sell per pound. So they weigh a lot of the animals and sell them that way. And right, and that's just, for me. Exactly. They're all sold yeah. just by numbers. And also, I do believe they do it that fast so that people won't actually really know what they're getting. Right. So do you see, I, I know that like with the livestock and with mm-hmm. um, cows and mm-hmm. uh, pigs, a lot is going for meat and I mm-hmm. and horses too, even mm-hmm. though that's that's under the So table. I think we usually categorize people that go to an auction in like four categories. Mm-hmm. So one category is rescues. The other core category are meat buyers. So they buy horses cheap to then transport to Mexico. Right. Then there is like just the regular person that wants to buy a horse and doesn't really know better. Okay. That's just like, I want a cheap horse. I heard there's an auction where you buy a horse. It's that type of person. Right. 
And then it's just a person that's out to have a good time. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's very, that's a very interesting crowd. A lot it is of people coming very together. very tense sometimes because, yeah. you know, you also have to respect these people. Even yeah. if I don't want to, they are making a living because they're feeding their families. I wish they had other jobs, mm-hmm. but that is their job. And I also think that if there is not some type of respect or some communication sometimes, we can't rescue the horses because it becomes a pride thing. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, you know, they will get a horse and you know it's a kill buyer because, you know, we see the same people at auction over and over and there's certain trailers, etc. Sometimes you can have a conversation with them in the parking lot and say, hey... We know you paid $360. If we pay you four twenty, could we just switch the horse into our trailer? Wow. But that's I know, but if you have cursed someone out or if there is any animosity, there's no way to it get doesn't that matter horse. if it's a million dollars. The yeah. horse will go to Mexico. So Yeah. So you have to keep good relations. I think that Mm. the key is, or where I am coming from, is that we don't necessarily want a relationship with any of them. Yeah. But we want to be able to speak at the auction side if needed. And be civil. Exactly. That that sounds very intense. Very, very intense. Um, But yeah, how it is at an auction, I mean, I think it's absolutely awful. I mean, a lot of people, it's their highlight of their week. Yeah, you said some people go for like a night out. Yeah, they eat nachos, drink Mountain Dew, all their kids run around. And, Mm. you know, people are dressed up. Like, it's like a fun night out. And how many um, percentage-wise, if you had to guess, um, horses go to kill buyers, go to rescues? I think it depends on what auction you're at. Mm-hmm. So they are like really four big auctions. Um, in California? Yeah, in California or in the southern part of California. They're easy to find online. Mm-hmm. But so I would say it depends on what auction you go to. And there's okay. different types of kill buyers. So... Let's say you go to one that's at night. Usually those are pretty covered by rescues. So I would say a very small percentage go to kill buyers. But some of these daytime ones, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe 50-50. But some weeks probably zero and some weeks they probably take 90%. I think it's very difficult. It's like week by week. And um, what about the horses and animals that don't get or that aren't purchased, you know, that don't... That, well, it's actually not happened. Oh, I okay. mean, because there's always a buyer for a an animal for a dollar, you know? So, like, right. the last auction we went to, there was this really... It looked really old potbelly pig. Mm-hmm. She looked miserable, and she went for a dollar because they kept calling out the price, and then eventually someone, like, bought her as a joke for a dollar, but, I mean, yes, it probably does happen that the original owner has to just take the horse with them home again. That probably does happen. And some people have a reserve. Okay. So some people have, as a business, to be a horse trader, like sell horses. And, mm-hmm. you know, I I think that each is own and everyone does for a living what they want to do. But at least if you're going to sell horses at auction, 
for a living, then have a reserve. You know, if you have a $1,200 reserve, one, a rescue is not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. And a cow buyer is not going to buy it. So it's going to go to another private party that wants a horse. So, yeah. So uh, you brought up a point of like people selling their horses. And I know that sometimes you can sell your horse and not realize somewhere down the line they're going to go to auction or that they might end up in auction. So I'm curious how that process looks and Mm -hmm. if there's any way people can avoid that happening. So we usually call it like the down world spiral, like Mm -hmm. to a horse. So there could be many different scenarios, but take just a regular horse, just a regular trail horse, for example, that's owned Mm -hmm. by a 10 year old kid, Uh, has a good family, lives in a good neighborhood. Yeah. Then the kid turns 13, doesn't want to ride anymore. The parents are not really horse parents. So they're like, well, oh, yeah, this trainer says she can take it. Or this person is a great person. You know, and then the horse goes there and it doesn't really hold up for the work. And then the value has gone down even more. Mm -hmm. Then there's not really anyone that wants to buy it. And then usually we'll just take Craigslist as an example. They go on Craigslist, $800. It doesn't really sell. goes for... Free to a good home. Yeah, and then a really nice seeming person picks them up for free, says they're going to give them a great home, and then Saturday night comes. And mm. then they're at auction. So they could have gone in three months, you're a kid's horse living in a great place, to be at an auction, and you're a little old, or you <laughs> don't have a flashy color. Right. And yeah, the wrong person buys you for 300 bucks, and off you go. Mm. I mean, I think... That is such a scary thought mm-hmm. for so many horse owners yeah. and for horse people to, you know, if let's say they can't afford their horse anymore, yeah. um, but they love their horse and they don't mm-hmm. want their horse to end up someplace like yeah. that, um, to see and to hear about such a quick downward spiral yeah. has to be alarming. It happens all the time. And then some of these meat buyers, you can categorize them. One meat buyer just sends straight to Mexico. Another buyer is like a little bit also as a horse trader. So he will take the horses to three, four auctions Mm -hmm. and they will trade hands with other meat buyers, with other traders. And like we were at an auction three times in one week. We saw the same pony three times. Wow. So what does that experience look like for the horse, if you had to guess? Like, what are the auctions like? What are they experiencing through this process? I think that they're, I mean, that makes me really emotional to think about because I think there's two different types of horses. I think Mm -hmm. there's one horse, like one type of horse that will just like be so kind no matter what you do. (laughs) You know, like these people are just like, beating them and riding them around and there's kids screaming and it's just like they haven't had any food for like god knows how long and it's just awful and it's like 11 30 at night you know and they're in this environment and these horses that they have no idea and it's just like the shock 
but they basically just like try to do their best and you can see them they're policing and they're just trying and trying and trying and that kills me yeah <laughs> those are the hardest cases when they say hi to every single little kid coming up to the fence yeah and then it's the horse that's just like well i would say it's three categories because one category completely shuts down becomes like completely catatonic just like mm-hmm. closes his eyes basically and just like I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to stand here and hope no one sees me. High, high stress. Just yes. Just like traumatized. shut down. Like it doesn't matter. Like you can give it a bag of carrots. It wouldn't even see it. Mm. And then it's the one horse that just says like, I will kill you. Fights and <laughs> and fights. that is the horse that I love the most because yeah. in that scenario, it's just like, that is the horse that usually goes to the cow buyer. Or usually people's like, what's going on with that horse? That horse is digging itself out of the pen. And I'm like, uh, that's my horse. Yeah. <laughs> you know? As if there's something wrong with that horse too. Or like, yes. why are they going crazy when the yeah. situation they're in? Yeah. And usually it's just like, it's so hard to know who they're going to be when you get them home. Yeah. But, like, the calm, super pleasing horse usually then blossoms to become super naughty, which I love. So I let them get away with, like, murder (laughs) because I want them to express themselves. Yeah, come back to life almost. Exactly. But then, like, the seeming aggressive, angry horse, they just, most of the time, they just, like, surprise you. And they are just, like, so sweet um my horse arizona i bought her actually at an auction over the phone two years ago the same time you took moon yeah so they it was the same week um so that i was on the phone with them and i said i will only bid if it's against a kill buyer and i the kill buyer stopped at three hundred dollars and there was no mm-hmm. one else bidding. So I felt like I had no choice. So I took mm-hmm. her on as my private horse. And just for the example of her, it took four men with their lassos and whips to get her onto that trailer. Mm-hmm. When she came to my house, the man was like, ma'am, you got yourself a wild horse. You don't <laughs> know what you're doing. And, you know, I just took her off the trailer and I've never, ever, ever had a problem with her. Oh, and she's probably just so grateful to be with you. Yeah, so it was like a completely different horse, you know. Well, when you think about the insane amount of stress they're under, I mean, their people would crumble under such situations. Yeah, I do. I mean, like when you've been to an auction, I mean, I bet some people just see it as fun. Mm -hmm. To me and the people that I work with at Little Rescue, like it takes us a, a minute to bounce back. Yeah. After what you're seeing, because you also take in all the anxiety and all just like the hurt. I mean, it's really yeah. awful. Yeah. And I can imagine, because you guys bring in and you give such amazing lives to, mm-hmm. to so many horses, yeah. but there are so many more. And yeah. to be able to pick must be in its own way. It's <laughs> it is so the hard. worst part. Yeah. But we can't save them all and we have no. to remember that. And I think that we are such a small operation. We wish that yeah. we were much bigger, but you know, quality over quantity. So we go, we have no idea who we're gonna get. Sometimes there's photos like before the auction that you can see online on Facebook mm-hmm. and things like that. But 
<laughs> we never get who we think we're gonna get. That's just not how it works out. We go and we all like look at each other. We're like, that's the one. And I don't know how we do it. I think it's just like, we just feel with our hearts and we mm-hmm. never go like, that could be a good riding horse. That could be a good kid horse. That could be a good trail horse. Never, ever, ever. You just feel it. You feel into it. Yeah. And I mean, like, we take the one that no one else will take. Yeah. I mean, the one that needs you the most. Yeah. So if we decided to take one and then there's a kill buyer bidding $75, we're going to take that horse, you know, so you never know what you're going to come home with. Yeah. Mm. And how do you pick? I mean... How do you pick? (laughs) It's just the most hardest thing. You just, like, pick with your gut and your heart. And then... As hard as it is, but you stick to that horse, then the rest of the night just becomes of like, okay, we know what we're going to do. That's what we're going to buy. We're just going to send all the love that we have and just like all the compassion that we have to all the other horses and wish them the best. Yeah. But just focus fully on the horse that we're going to get. Fully save that horse. Yeah, because that's all we can do. You know, Mm -hmm. we can only get... You know, sometimes we get more than one, but say we can only get one at that time. Instead of thinking of all the other ones, we have to just put all our love into that one that we get. I imagine that's the only way to really be able to do it. I don't think there is another way because I think you wouldn't be able to get up in the morning. Yeah. And and I've, I've heard and I've seen different rescues with good intentions also becoming kind of hoarding and rescue situations themselves. There are many organizations that call themselves rescues in Southern California. Um, I think that everyone runs their rescue slash their business, which it turns into be to some people Mm -hmm. in a different way. I think also there are some rescues that will use euthanasia Mm -hmm. way the, like, they throw euthanasia around, if that makes sense. Like, where it's actually not needed. Right. But they do it anyway. Like, if it's a horse, it's hard to catch in the pasture. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not adoptable. You know? Right. And yeah, then euthanasia is the only solution because where are you going to go? Where, where is the horse going to go? Like, with you guys, a little smaller, but so focused on the individual horse yeah. um a horse like for instance that wouldn't um is not catchable in a pasture yeah you would work with and yeah you would um get them to an adoptable <laughs> place i think that to us it doesn't matter if it takes a lifetime or if it takes a week for a horse to come around mm-hmm. um it's not so important because yeah. we are not trying to make space for another horse on behalf of another horse's life if that makes sense right it's like we had this horse named marie and Mm -hmm. she was from an auction actually not even a legal auction she was by a kill buyer on like we had to go like many back ways to try to get to her and eventually we got to her and she was very aggressive like very very aggressive Mm -hmm. and there was so many people that told us to put her down. And I must say, I had times where I even thought about it. 
because one, she was aggressive, plus she had this horrible injury that made it extremely difficult because I had to care for her. Right, she had an injury, right? Yeah, she, she had an injury. So it was just like, I had to care for her and she was so dangerous at the same time and it was just like a big mess. But yeah, it and I, me and the people that I work with, we just decided this matter how long it takes, we'll do anything. Yeah, you were like completely devoted to her. Yeah, completely devoted every single day for like years. And eventually we became friends. Did we become that type of friends that just like kiss and huggy? No. But like I could go in her stall, I can halter her, I can give her trees, I could pet her. We can x-ray her feet without any sedation. The vet, like she trusted me. Yeah, big progress. Yeah, and she ended up having a spot at a huge pasture up in San Francisco area. Oh, she's she free so today. so happy. Yeah, so she made it, but... But yeah, a lot of people, even vets mm-hmm. in our area told us to put her down to make space for someone else. So that just took complete dedication to her. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. you had chosen to save her, chosen to rescue her, yeah. and you weren't going to go back on it. No. And the owner of the rescue, Brandy, she is the biggest believer in that euthanasia is just like the last option. Mm-hmm. And she will go beyond and beyond to just you know, every single life has value. You know, they're worth something uh, on the planet just to be, just to live, you know. And I admire her for that so much. (laughs) I get emotional when I think about it. But she's just like, doesn't matter because she will never waver in her belief in that just like everyone that comes to our rescue should just like get the best life possible and she'll do anything even when they do get a home she's like we gotta go check on them we gotta call like she's taking horses back that's not cared for she's just so devoted to them you you all are and she is i she has the biggest heart (laughs) the biggest heart (laughs) and i do i'm like so impressed with the amount of aftercare you guys give them too and making sure that the homes they go to are perfect and forever so that they don't end back in the situation they came from yeah i mean that is the goal yes to find them a family so that we can help someone else but if that family turns out not to be the right fit at the end of the day, they can always come back home. I think for the first time, like all of these horses, no matter if we go through a hundred or a thousand, they'll always have a place to call home, you know? And I think maybe that's what's special about us too. It it is. I mean, because you can really tell your horses when you're taking them from auction that Mm -hmm. they are they are home. They have family and they yeah. will always be protected. Yeah, we got their back. <laughs> uh, I love you guys and I love the work you guys do. Um, I also wanted to know, you told me one time a little bit um, about what you saw behind the scenes in the auction because there's a back room. And not to jump, I don't want to be jumping all over the place, but I thought it was a really, um, that really hit me when you were telling yeah. me what it was like in the back and yeah. if you'd feel comfortable sharing what yeah. it's like. I think it's important for people to understand how little, I would say most animals' lives are to people. Like they just don't care. They look at them as food. 
that look at them as money or they just, it's, they have no value. There's not even a life, you know? So yeah, there was one auction and one horse that we had, they could not bring her to the front to me because mm-hmm. they could not halter her. They, they just, they didn't know what to do. So they were freaking out because a lot of other trailers were standing and wanting to get their horses. So they brought me in the back and there was this little cow, a girl, and she had this deformity in her leg. So she was like really hop. It was like she had a wood leg. Like that's, if you think that's how she walked. Mm -hmm. And this man just kicked her to the side and she broke her leg. Oh, and in front of you. Yeah, right in front of me. And he just scooted her over. So we wouldn't step on her. I guess that's what she got. At least no one would step on her. And she would just lie there and cry. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, what do I do? Yeah, you what know? do you do? I just have to take a really deep breath and mm-hmm. just think, I'm going to go and get my horse. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get her out of here. And I'm going to do the best job possible for her. Yeah. That's all you can do because you can't save that baby calf. You can't save all the other little piglets that mm-hmm. is lying, dying. Like, you can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I hope in a perfect world one day if everyone could just stop eating meat. Yeah. If everyone could just stop drinking some, like, breast milk from a cow yeah. that's not even yours. It belongs to a baby. Like, I think the auctions yeah. would be a lot less... Uh, dramatic maybe and it's uh you just have to just super focus on your task yeah. and stick to and it. the life you're saving mm-hmm. and I mean and that is a whole other side of rescues we're talking about horses here but there are so many other animals that yeah are there rescues like that many rescues for the other species for the cows for the well they are other rescues that mm-hmm. do do pigs and cows and things like that. But, I mean, we're talking about a whole nother volume of animals. Because, I mean, yeah, people do eat horse and people do send them to slaughter. But, I mean, that's just a micro fraction of how many pigs people eat, yeah. you know? I mean, most people are not, at least in America, like mm-hmm. most people, I would say, are not comfortable with the idea of eating a horse. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you get a cow, yeah. And that are just as sweet. And- yeah. And we have actually rescued two baby cows one time. Oh, they were the cutest. They are the cutest. And their names were Drake and Future. Yeah. <laughs> We've just been to a Drake concert. <laughs> but um, Drake, unfortunately, passed away. Mm-hmm. He got the best possible care he could. He was taken to an animal hospital and given any chance in the world, and but he was just too far gone yeah. because he didn't get to drink his mom's breast milk, milk. Yeah. <laughs> that was given to someone else's kid, you know. But, um, yes, there are other rescues to take other animals, but mm-hmm. it's rare. It's not as uh, advocated for as the horses. Right, which makes sense sadly just with um how we see the different animals and farm animals and treat them yeah but and it's shocking because how many people um value horses in a different way you know they're on a slightly higher level yeah and yet it's still they're being sold for meat yeah um actually i'm curious you know when they get sold to mexico or Mm -hmm. sold to kill buyers Mm -hmm. 
where is that meat going? What is... It's hard to know. Mm-hmm. I would say a lot goes to dog food. Yeah, that it's is... In, I mean, it's just like a really sticky place to go to yeah. because it's hard to know what you can say and what you can't say because there's so many, so much different information out there. Yeah. It's hard to... It feels like the whole, the process of tracking these horses, it's yeah. it's hard to know exactly what's happening. Exactly. But let's just say they're not like being served at some high fancy restaurant for a big dollar. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you again, saw these horses, more. if you saw the meat, how they look like when they get there, mm-hmm. yeah, then no one would eat it. Mm. Yeah. I would hope so at least. Oh. It's so hard to talk about. It's so hard to talk about it. So I want to just talk a little bit about how people can, first off, protect their own horses Mm -hmm. from ending up in a place like this. And Mm -hmm. what precautions for people who maybe can't keep their horses, Mm -hmm. what are some better options um, that these people can follow to just to make sure that their horse ends up in a nice place or doesn't end up at an auction. Yeah. And I think it's important to say also, I have full understanding for people that can no longer care for their horses. Yeah. If it's medically, financially, or that they just have to move, it's people's lives change. Yeah. You know? And I think a horse has a really long life. You know, they live Mm -hmm. over 30 years if you take good care of them. So... I think a good way to go about it is if you need to find your horse a home, I would first, I would never put free to good home. Okay. Yeah. See that, that's something good to know because I would imagine a lot of people, if they love their horse Mm -hmm. and something's just happened and it's completely understandable, Yeah. but free to good home sounds like, well, I I will find them uh, a you know, like some place that's going to want them. Yeah. Because. But free to good home 99% of the time does not mean like this wonderful person that just finds their dream horse. They're going to take care of it for forever. It's like if someone gave something that's very valuable to you and said it was free, would you not like in the back of your mind be like, why is it free? Yeah. Well, you know, they... There's a lot of different studies that prove that we actually value things that we invest in more. Yeah. And the things that do come free, even if they're really high value, our mind just doesn't hold that value Mm -hmm. if we haven't invested something. It's the same thing. And there's a lot of trainers out there that go and get these horses and say that they're going to give them a great home. And they train them and, you know, then they sell them. Mm -hmm. And then now we're three people further down the line. Yeah, and it's hard to keep track. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know a few friends of mine who, like, when they were younger, for instance, um, their families just, like, very innocently, yeah. you know, might have gotten rid of their, um, mm-hmm. and not gotten rid of because it was more loving, but they, they rehomed their yeah. family horse. And yeah. I have a couple of friends who later in life went looking for their horse again because mm-hmm. they wanted to, they were yeah. adults now and they wanted to yeah. bring them back. And the the process of finding them and, like, seeing how many steps they've gone through. Yeah. I mean, it was shocking to them and it was shocking to me. Yeah. Um, 
I think that everyone should just watch Black Beauty, to be honest, (laughs) because, I mean, Black Beauty goes from being this amazing young horse to being at auction to pulling a cart somewhere. You know, like, I know it's kind of like a kid's movie, but I think that everyone that has horses should just watch Black Beauty. I think you learn a lot. Oh, no. I mean, it is the most... Oh, I remember being a kid and just being scarred, but also it laid a great foundation for seeing it from a horse's point of view and what they can go through. So the number one is never put free to good home Mm -hmm. because also it's very easy to go get a free dog, a free horse, a free anything. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people don't understand just because it's free, it's going to eat you out of your house. You know, right. and the costs are so much. Yeah, to go way that's beyond what the people don't price. understand. And a horse, when it gets sick, it might have to go to a hospital. That's like three thousand dollars later. Yeah, you know. So if you can't afford to buy a horse, you should probably not have a horse. Right, because the costs are exponentially yeah, exponentially yes, bigger, much bigger. Yeah. So I think that yes, it's smart to put mm-hmm. a higher value price on your horse because one, you will attract people that have money. You will attract people that are actually looking for a horse that can, you know, that still has some value or it's hard to explain it, but a lot of people that are looking for a horse to ride would never look at free horses because they assume that they're free for a reason. Yeah. So that's really how it goes. So I would just put a price and then if it turns out to be this amazing home, you don't have to take their money at the end of the day if you just right. want to give your horse away. But it's just a protection. You've weeded out the people who um, yeah. are maybe just on a whim looking for horse, a horse yeah. or don't quite fully understand what they're getting into and yeah. are looking to value the horse. And Exactly. Uh, and I would then, number two, mm-hmm. I would go see where the horse is going to live. Mm-hmm. And what are some things you would look for? Like what would be some red flags and what would be some positive signs well positive signs i think is always other horses like Mm -hmm. other horses that look happy and healthy and that has food and there's fresh water and like there is people there that cares for their horses as well like when you go to a barn you can kind of get a sense of if the horses are well cared for or not yeah. And then picture your own horse there. And so if you don't see any horses there, well, first of all, yeah. they're not, it's really not great for them to live alone, but also mm-hmm. I, that could be suspicious. Yes, it could be suspicious. One, I don't believe in just having a horse by itself Mm-mm. in a backyard. I would never do that because it's like isolating a kid in a room. Yeah. You know, you can't very grow psychologically up like that. Damaging. Yeah. No, you can't do that. So I would just like go to the facility Talk to other people there. Just be like, hey, how do you know each other? How do you, does she have a lot of horses? Like how many horses has she had here at this facility? Or he, you know, I shouldn't just say she, but yeah, that's how I would do it. And I would Mm -hmm. ask for references. I would call their vet. That's what we do at Little Rescue. We call the vet. We call the farrier. We call two character references. We just know more about the person. Right. Um, and so I'm actually curious, let's say you have, you're looking to rehome a horse mm-hmm. that isn't rideable. And I know that's a, yes. that's a big, <laughs> that's a um, big part issue. of my life. Yeah. Yes. And for someone who, um, 
let's say they are doing that. They're um, trying to rehome their horse that isn't like uh, rideable. Yeah. What are some options for them? Because I feel like that is a slightly, they're going to attract a different group. Yes. So what I would do, number one, Mm -hmm. I would first look over my budget. What is my budget on a monthly basis or a yearly basis? Mm -hmm. What can I afford for this horse? Is it possible for me to send it to a pasture somewhere? Like, Mm -hmm. for example, in San Inés. There's huge space and people do take in horses there. And you can also send to Montana, Virginia, like different places where it's like $200 a month. Wow. And that's a pretty great horse or pretty great life for those horses exactly. to be out with horses yes. and pasture. Exactly. So I would start there. Then if that was not something that I could do, I would mm-hmm. then contact all different rescue organizations. Mm-hmm. I would explain my situation. I would send pictures. I would send a letter. And yes, auctions, you know, rescue goes to auctions all the time. And there's a limited amount of space that rescues. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I would just definitely do everything in my power to make sure that they would get into good hands. Right. I would also call animal shelters, you know, because okay. some animal shelters do take horses. Mm-hmm. And it- so if an animal shelter does take a horse, do they usually have a pretty good success rate for finding homes? I think that depends on what type of shelter, what mm-hmm. state it's in, and like mm-hmm. what people work there. Do they have a no-kill policy, all that stuff? And I think that's important to obviously know before you surrender your animal over there. Yes. I'd also like to add that for horses that are no longer rideable, it really doesn't mean that you have to stop um, doing things with your horse because there are so many more things and that's part yeah of the, <laughs> that's part of the like liberty I would say most of my yeah. time spent with my horses yeah is on the ground and I yeah. find so much fulfillment there yeah and it doesn't mean that it's the uh the end of your relationship or the end no. of what you can do no some of the, like my best friends like I say horses are my friends because they're Me like too. my friends yeah. they're like my family um but like the my closest friends I don't ride them it would like it wouldn't even cross my mind because I'd be like it just that's just not the relationship that we have yeah but I think it's different for different people I think that some horse people see them as a tool for a sport definitely they see them for something that they need to work on their ranch like there's just different but I mean you can always put an ad out to and just explain the situation this is how my horse is and I mean they are good people out there that mm-hmm. are looking for a pasture mate so yeah or maybe they're looking to do something like liberty or groundwork and they just want a really calm a hundred percent yeah yeah because I actually know a lot of my clients or a few of them are not necessarily interested in riding mm-hmm. but they're interested in just really sweet horses to play with and to yeah maybe to trick train, maybe to, um, yeah, to bond with. And if you have a really sweet horse, like it it could be their dream horse. Yeah. I would say that that is the ultimate goal. Like that's the dream. Yeah. But it's very, very small percentage of the equestrian community. It is. It's growing. We're growing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yes, (laughs) hopefully it is growing day by day. And, and I also think that if people would maybe not breed so much in their backyards, maybe that then the equestrian community would grow in the liberty having horses as friends 
And then at the same time, as the breeding would go down, hopefully we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. The breeding is a huge, huge thing because we're just yep. constantly adding yep. more and more horses to a limited amount of people who can actually have horses because there are a lot yes. of people that love horses, but it's, it's a lot. Yeah, to have them. I mean, we can have so many podcasts. Mostly, we yeah, could have we like could. one about the racehorse industry, one about wild like, horses, breeding, one about yeah. I mean, we could go on and on and yeah. just like the BLM and the fifty thousand horses. Like, I can go on forever. Well, and we're gonna go. We're gonna actually gonna record another one after this if you have time. Yes. <laughs> um, but I'd like to end this one with just if you could give one tip for someone. Uh, looking to rescue a horse or yeah. like um, like what would your tip be for what to look for, what to do, or just what do you have a piece of advice for someone looking for a horse, looking to rescue? Well, first you should call me. I agree. <laughs> I, I would also say check out A Little Rescue first because they're amazing. Yes. And I think that a good advice for someone that's looking to rescue a horse, I think it's a it's a good idea to sit down with yourself and really think about like, what are you compatible with? Mm -hmm. Are you a person that wants to ride? Are you a person that is very important to, to ride? Do you want a big horse? Do you want a small horse? What's your financial situation? What can you handle? Can you handle a horse that is sick? Right. And being you know? honest about these questions. Yes. And not 100%. feel like you're being like heartless from it. Cause I think yeah. sometimes people, they do want to save um, yeah. all the horses, but mm -hmm. the horse that they're going to be able to really stick with is yeah. the one that meets their needs yes. or their criteria or yes. I don't like to call it that, but well, matches them. Yeah. And you have to be realistic. Yeah. If you go and say to a rescue organization, I want a horse that is super fast, but you don't know how to handle that fast horse, then that's not the horse for you. Yeah. And it happens all the time that people think they want a specific thing and then that not that's not at all what they end up with. So yes, it's good to sit down and have a list, mm -hmm. but in reality, that's never what you're going to get because the horse is going to pick you. Yeah, I am a huge believer that all of my horses have found me <laughs> yes. and picked me and... And I really believe that if you have the intention, you you feel the horse is coming, yeah. you find the horse and you yeah. know, you know when it's your horse too. Yeah. So I would just like look at a lot of different organizations, read about them because you're going to pay an adoption fee. You want to know what that money is going to go to. Mm -hmm. Like do some research, go and meet different horses, volunteer, be a part of that community. And also, you know, when you're going to rescue a horse... Also look into those horses that are not at a rescue yet, but that are right. with a person that's like desperate to find a home for their horse. Start that, there. So true because the horses that are, that someone needs to find a home mm -hmm. for and they could completely go to auction, you could actually save them from having to Exactly. And there. that way you're helping all the rescues out at the same time. Yeah. that That's wonderful. And, and I just want to quickly end with saying sometimes there's a stigma on rescue horses for not being wonderful horses but I <laughs> have to agree or disagree sorry disagree so completely I've the quote-unquote rescue horses I have met have just been incredible incredible horses and Frida I think you know that too I dedicate my and will dedicate the rest of my life to just like fighting for the underdog 
because these horses that are even rejected from the auctions that tied up by a fence with one eye two years later they're like a show pony for a kid and that happens all the time and I'm just gonna prove and live my life and just change people's minds that you can rescue a horse and it can be just as good as a million dollar horse yeah and you know that you've done something <laughs> wonderful for them as they've done something wonderful for you. Yeah, they rescue you right back. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Always that cool. Well, thank you so, so much for being on. I, um, It's kind of a heavy topic and you are just such an inspiration and Brandy's such an inspiration. Um, Jared, too. Yeah, such Jared, inspiration. too. <laughs> um, all of you and all your horses are and... Thank you for Moon, because she's incredible, and you saved her. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So is there any place, I don't know if we went over this, but where they can find you, where people can find you? A Little Rescue's website is very simple. It's just called alittlerescue.com. You can read who we are. There's an adoption application that you can fill out. Even if we don't have a horse that suits your needs right now, we always get new horses in, and then you have an application on file. We also have an Instagram called A Little Rescue, and you can also find us on Facebook, A Little Rescue, and then you find me through those channels too. I love it. And the day that this podcast comes out, I will also share all their information on on all of my social social <laughs> places. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, and um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. I am so excited to have launched it this week. If you are liking the show, it would really mean so much to me if you could comment and subscribe and maybe even share it with your friends. This first week um, for a podcast is actually really, really crucial in getting the word out. So if you like it and you feel like sharing and commenting, it would be so appreciated. I hope to make many, many more episodes that are interesting and fun and in-depth and just go deeper into the horse topics I like and that hopefully you like. So thank you all and I will see you next week. Bye.